number four of the Bill Michaels Show. Glad you're here. Glad you're here. Thanks so much for uh, taking a listen to the program. We're back at it again tomorrow night. Don't forget, uh, for many of you on uh, these same stations, you're going to get our 7 o'clock draft coverage begins. And if you're on a station that doesn't carry us, um, then you need to go ahead and download the app. Or you can follow me on YouTube. You can follow the show over on the Facebook fan page. Follow us on Twitter, um, whatever. But uh, go ahead and, uh, you know, download that app, and that way you can listen to us anywhere and everywhere. Download it uh, by simply going to WOZN, The Zone, The Zone in Madison, The Zone Madison, or go to YouTube.com slash Bill Michaels Show and uh, just subscribe. That's all we all you need to do, and it'll pop right up, and psh, there you go. We're off and running with 2022 draft coverage. Um, the question, we're going to have Mike Clements coming up in this hour, by the way, so stay tuned for that. Our good buddy Mike is uh, going to be joining us here in just a little bit. Uh, the question is, Do who do you want to see come into the Green Bay Packers? Who do you want to see them draft with that first draft choice? Or who are you looking for? Who would you like to see the Packers pick up before it's all said and done? Um, got a bunch of emails, and if you want to hit us up over on the Bud Light live stream, by all means do so. Rick says, I bet from the uh, farm, Goody drafts a D-lineman, safety corner, or O-lineman with 22 and 28. I don't, I don't expect him to draft a receiver till uh, round two. I also think they need to draft a running back in the second or third round. Rick, funny you say that. Mark asked me about Brian Robinson. Brian Robinson, the running back out of Alabama. And uh, he's – he. what am I looking at here? He's 225 pounds, 6'1", six, six Tuscaloosa, Alabama. Went to Hillcrest High School down there. Um, I don't have, like, a ton of info on the guy, uh, but I do know – that he would be a – first of all, he's going to be a backup to the backup, so to speak. Secondly, he's got, uh, as they put it, good cutting ability, good vision, hits the hole hard, not afraid to take a hit, and not afraid to deliver a hit. He is not good at good at getting outside, doesn't have the burst of speed to be able to get around the edge as quick as some others, more of a north-south runner. Uh, that So that's kind of the, the knock on him. Uh, he was a redshirt senior. Um, coming out of Alabama. But he does have the size to be a bruiser at times. Needs to add a few pounds. And if he does, he's also going to be a, a, a good wide receiver. Uh, or good, I shouldn't say wide receiver, good receiver coming out of the backfield. Uh, has good hands. So that's Brian Robinson Jr. I don't know a lot about him. Uh, that's kind of an obscure type of pick. I've looked at a little bit on him, but I don't know a ton about him. So I apologize, but... Uh, I would not expect him. And running back like that, that'd be probably a third, fourth-round pick, maybe. He's not even listed in the top five when it go, when you go to uh, – that I think when you go to our lads. Maybe he's five. But he's not even the top five running back. You've got guys like Spiller out of Texas A&M, Pierce out of Florida that you could be looking at. Um, who else am I thinking about here? Uh, Kenneth Walker. Uh, the kid out of Michigan State. Uh, oh, I forgot about uh, Hall, uh, Brees Hall, out of Iowa State. Those are the guys that are all ranked really high when it comes to running backs uh, coming out of the draft. I think Robinson's probably in that mix, but I don't think he's in the top four or five guys. Uh, 
877-867-1670. Larry says Traylon Burks at 22, then trade back at 28, or some dumb team can jump up and grab a uh, quarterback at that point. (laughs) Some dumb team. What does your ideal Thursday night look like? Minus uh, the show going smoothly and us all having a lot of fun. Um, I would love to see. Um, I would love to see either Olave or Traylon Burks um, fall to the Packers. Because I mean, in a perfect world, you get like a Drake London, a Garrett Wilson. One of those guys that are highly rated. Drake London is rated so highly because he's ready. He's he's like ready to go now. Some of the other guys have the, all the intangibles and have those speed and all that, but they're not the complete player Drake London is. I don't. I know Charge said that he thought Drake London would fall to the Packers. I don't see it happening. I think Drake London's gone unless the Packers trade up to get him. So for that, I'd like to see a, a guy like Drake London. Okay, then probably if I had to go. In in the you know the next level, so to speak. Um, if I'm going to go with offensive tackle, that's probably where I'd want to go. I'd love to see Trevor Penning out of Northern Iowa because I don't think I don't think Cross out of Mississippi State or Neal out of Alabama. Those guys, I don't think those guys are going to be available. Maybe Penning out of Northern Iowa. Maybe Rainman uh, out of Central Michigan. I wish they were guys coming out of bigger programs. Um, we heard about Falele, uh, the kid coming out of Minnesota. That is, is he's a road grader. He's not finesse when it comes to pass blocking. I'd love to see the road grader, but I don't think in a pass first offense with what Aaron Rodgers likes to do, and as many many times as he's given the ability to audible out of a run into a pass, I don't know if you want a guy that's more astute at run blocking than he is at pass blocking. So Falele out of out of Minnesota. I think is a, a a big wide road grading body, but I don't know that the Packers would pick him up. I'd probably look at at more of the Trevor Penning coming out of Northern Iowa. So those two guys would kind of fill some needs for the Packers on the first round of the draft. I'd look at that and say there that's that's a a, a B plus draft for the Green Bay Packers. That's what I would like to see. Or what I think is going to happen, they're going to trade up to get a wide receiver, and then maybe trade out of that first round if a guy that they value isn't there or has a second-round grade. Then you trade back and get additional picks for what you just gave up. That's what I would probably see happen. Does that make sense? Yeah, I don't know. I uh, Grant and I talked about this a lot on Monday. I think the only thing I don't want the Packers to do, aside from take a quarterback, is trade up for, for one of the wide receivers. Like, I like the guys up top, but I don't see much of a difference between them and Pickens or Traylon Burks or any of the guys, Jahan Dotson, that if, would if, fall. If, I agree. If they're available, unless you got a guy that you really believe is the guy, I agree. Stay pat. Stand pat. Unless, of course, say there's a run early. Now, if there's a run early, then it's a whole different scenario. Because if you lose London and you lose Wilson – and Traylon Burks is gone, Jahan Dotson's gone, Chris Olave's gone, Jameis Wilson's gone. Well, then maybe you're looking at, oh, my goodness, we need to go after Pickens or, or Mechie or, or, you know, David Bell or, you know, Justin Ross or one of those guys. You know, then you start to say, oh, my God, here comes panic, you know. But 
I, I agree. I don't think you need to trade up to get a guy unless you absolutely feel that that guy is going to perfectly fit your system and he's smart enough to get it and smart enough to get on the same page early on with Aaron Rodgers. That's the only way I could see trading up. So I agree with you. Quarterbacks, though, good God. The whole thing about whether or not you're going to see two or three or four quarterbacks take. I saw somebody had put it up earlier with ESPN saying there could be up to five quarterbacks take. Who? There's Kenny Pickett and Matt Corral. After that, what, Malik Willis is out of Liberty. He's a guy that, you know, a lot of people like. I get it. Maybe three. You're not going with Sam Howe. You're not Desmond Ritter's not a first round guy. As much as I, I, I thought he played extremely well this past season at Cincinnati, he's not he's not going first round. Carson Strong out of Nevada, come on. You know? That's not happening. Not even Jack Cohn out of out of Notre Dame. Even though he's listed as one of the top ten quarterbacks. He's not going in the first round. So who are you going to take in the first round? Other than Pickett Corral and uh, Malik Willis. Well, buddy. today and tomorrow are also the Super Bowls for uh, agents to give BS to media members. Correct. Like every leak I see, I look at it and say, oh, yeah, that obviously is not true. That's an agent. Yeah, that's an agent. Agent or a, a GM that's throwing something completely stupid out there just to see if somebody's going to bite on it. Right. And, but most people will tell you that's inside the walls of a war room at this point was, you know, labeled that, that. Their boards are set. They know what they're doing. This whole thing, they're not leaking stuff out. You know, and I'll tell you this, I know that when, going back to when uh, Ron Wolf was here, Ron Wolf would talk, and he'd give you insight. You'd kind of see the direction that he wanted to go, you know. he'd get, Ted Thompson, God forbid you leaked anything out about Ted Thompson's draft. You would not have a job. You would, because Ted didn't even tell everybody what he was thinking. There were times when they Ted made picks. Guys were looking at him like, what the hell? We didn't even talk about that because Ted wanted to be the smartest guy in the room. So Ted didn't, didn't leave his board and his draft picks up to anybody. He had his scouts do their work. Ted loved to go out and scout. That was his, that was his forte. And then to go out and find the diamond in the rough. The problem was towards the end, he tried to get too cute. He tried to be smarter than everybody. You know, he tried to find all of those diamonds in the rough and just, it, you know, the Brady Papingas of the world that were going to come in and contribute and give you this burst, and then, you know, they weren't going to cost you much money. And he was going to say, see, I told you. And he got too cute. But, yeah, this time of year, general managers, they're not not giving up anything at this point. Rick says, I also expect Aaron Jones' uh, role is going to change a little bit more of a Debo Sanders or Debo Samuel uh, player. Being he's getting old for a running back, I think they need another quick guy rather than a bruiser. Um Dan says, what about the Michael Thomas or the Metcalf trade on draft day? Is that likely? I That's a great question. I don't think so. I don't think I thought if there was going to be a trade, you would have it by now for DK Metcalf. Because they would want draft choices right now. Now maybe somebody gets desperate and climbs the board and decides, hey, DK Metcalf is worth more than just a a one and a three and a four. Like he's all of a sudden worth a one and a future one and a two and, you know, maybe somebody falls in their head. But, no, I I thought the DK Metcalf stuff would have been taken care of prior to this week. I thought, you know, whatever team would have traded for him 
would have given up draft capital. Therefore, you kind of reset your board as the Seahawks would go. But they've stood steadfast in saying he is not for sale. We're not getting rid of him. He's going to be our future. And so I don't I, – I never say never, but I don't think it's going to happen. Never say never, but I don't think it's going to happen. 877-867-1670, this portion of the program, brought to you by The Nice Ash, downtown, downtown Waukesha, 323 West, West Main Street. Hey, if you're going to go out and watch the NFL draft, maybe have a good cigar, a victory cigar after the Packers' uh, choice. Check out the draft and all the options that they have down there on the big screen TVs. The Nice Ash, not to mention the selection of whiskeys, bourbons, all that kind of good stuff that they have down there, really good stuff. Check it out. Scotches down there at uh, theniceash.com, 323 West Main Street, downtown Waukesha. Stay tuned. Mike Clemens up next on the Bill Michael Show. Covering Wisconsin sports like a blanket, this is the Bill Michael Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. It's funny you say that because this is like one of the more of the stuff has been surrounding the fact that I'm on the Raiders now. You know, everybody's saying congrats on being on the Raiders. It hasn't been congrats on $140 million. It's been congrats, congrats. You get to you get to play for a team, you know, you grew up loving to have this type of security, to, to be a place where they're happy to have you and give you all that money. I mean, it's just a bonus. Welcome back. Hey. Taking all the money, no doubt about it. Uh, this portion of the program brought to you by our friends over there in Albanese's Roadhouse. You're looking for good Italian food out in the western portion of Milwaukee, out in the Waukesha area. Stop it. And Joey's still looking for some people that want to participate in the uh, bocce ball league. So stop out to Albanese's Roadhouse. Good people, great place, all kinds of good stuff out there. Joining us now on the hotline, our good buddy uh, Mike Clemens is here. And Michael uh, the draft is now upon us. Uh, we all know that they need a, uh, a a wide receiver or two or five, depending on how many it's going to take to get the job done. But, uh, you know, give me your thoughts, man. What's going on? Well, I think the need is going to be at wide receiver, but I also think it could be offensive line. Maybe it could be uh, another linebacker to fill in with Zadarius, you know, the spot that he's leaving open. Uh, maybe it's a safety because – you know, this is a team that every year, particularly in their first and second round, they 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 know that there's a veteran that's going to move on or already did move on in free agency, and they need to get a guy ready so that in a year or two from now, he's the next starter for the next six or seven years. And that's the way they look at the draft. They're not building the draft to get them through September. They're looking the, for the draft to build them on for the next – three or four years for the next era. Like when you know that Corey Lindsley is playing great, but he's got a multitude of injuries, and then you just know he's going to get big money someplace else, and in fact he signs with the Chargers, and everybody says, all right, I guess the plan is to have Lucas Patrick play center. No, the plan is to get another center, and you get the big kid out of Ohio State and Josh Myers and a second rounder, and he's going to be, you know, the next heir apparent for center for the next seven or eight years through the, the next two contracts. That's the way these guys are going to port, approach that board. So over the weekend, they set up their board. Brian Goodikins put it all in order, and then he goes through the scenarios and the crazy offers they might get from other teams because they're sitting on all these picks, 11 picks. And let's go back to that moment after they 
suddenly you end up trading Devontae Adams to the Raiders. We asked Brian Gutekinds and Matt LaFleur at the NFL meetings down in Florida, how did, how did you manage to get Aaron Rodgers to come back another year and let Devontae and end up trading Devontae Adams? Yeah, I think you know those are kind of two separate situations, but I think in, in this particular case, um, it's like everything. We, I talk about the dominoes all the time, and there are some dominoes that uh, were important to us that uh, if we continued on the road we were, it was going to be difficult to, to put the team we wanted to put around um, Aaron and everybody. So I think uh, two different situations, but um, you know, I, I, we wish him the best and his family the best, and I think ultimately this is what he wanted. Those decisions are never easy to, to make. Unfortunately, it was one that we had to come to. I think a lot of it was driven by, by Devontae, I would tell you. Um, there's no sense in looking back on it. It's just we're moving forward. So, And, and we, we appreciate everything he's done, obviously. It's, it's a lot to replace in terms of the production and, and the type of leader that he was for us. But, again, it was just one of those, those deals that you never want to make. But, unfortunately, sometimes you have to. I found it interesting, Mike, in that comment, Matt LaFleur made a point to say most of it was driven by Devontae, as if to say, we wanted him back. He just didn't want to come back. We can't right. we can't go back on this. We, you know, He just didn't want to come back. So no, he and, made and a point you, to and, make that out, to put that out there. Right, and, as, and, and, that's, and that, that fills in the gaps like you've talked about on the show. The fact is, by the time they got into training camp last summer, and they were, everything was, let's get the quarterback first, and as – you know, as Gudikin said right there, then the rest of the dominoes fall into place. You know, uh, Devontae Adams said, what about me? I mean, he wanted to get paid at the start of camp last year. Then he just focused on, you know, the last dance. Him and Rodgers, let's both have great seasons. Let's both get paid, which they both did. $200 million for Aaron and 140 for Devontae. But Devontae just said, you know what, it's time for me to move on and move to Vegas and closer to family and play with Derek and just, I, I need a new situation. And it was just that kind of a change, and he got everything that he wanted. Instead of coming back here and trying once again the Green Bay way to get a Super Bowl, at least he got his paycheck, and who knows what happens with the Raiders. So the next situation for Brian Gutekinds is that when we talked to him on Monday this week, now the reality setting and about replacing guys. And you know, for the last four or five years, I mean, remember the season when Devontae went down with injury and was gone for a month, and they actually won all four of those games. I think they were actually 7-0 and when Devontae missed with injuries in the last three or four years. Um, you know, people were saying, look at this Aaron Rodgers. You know, seriously, Alan Lazard is his number one tonight? Or, you know, if you go back to years back with Jared Aperderis, you know, and and, you know, Jeff Janis in a playoff game. Like, the team has never really done enough to get Aaron Rodgers' weapons at the top of the draft. And so Goodikins was, was asked about, what are you going to do? He was joking. What are you going to do to replace Devontae Adams and MBS, a wide receiver, because, you know, you've got this drought. For a while now. <laughs> yeah, that's an interesting question. I think uh, we've got a pretty good quarterback. And that helps, you know, significantly. So, um, you know, I think certainly there's going to be probably more opportunity for that young player if we happen to go that route to come in and, and have some opportunities, you know. So, um, you know, it's not something that around here that we've had a, a lot of that, you know. I think uh, I think way back early in my career we drafted Javon, you know, with the first pick. And I think it was about middle of year two where he just took off, you know. 
Um, and then for about a year and a half there, he was playing as, about as good as anyone. So um, that was kind of the rule of thumb back then. You know, it took about a year and a half to really get into where they knew what was going on. I think, again, hopefully it'll be quicker um, if, we, if we go that route this year. But, um, yeah, I think to your point, I think um, when, when Tay came in, certainly having those guys ahead of him was a challenge for him to, to get the opportunities. Or maybe this time um, it won't be as big of a challenge. But I will say we've got some pretty good players in the building that uh, I think are very eager for their opportunity, which maybe they haven't had yet. Mike, uh, we know they need wide receivers. Uh, one of the other things that was mentioned was, you know, tackle. You, you know, Billy Turner's gone. You're going to need a right tackle. I, we th- assume Elton Jenkins is going to be back, and he could take over that role, certainly. But you'd like to find a pure right tackle and then move Elton Jenkins back in, solidify that line, and being one of the best lines in football if they can do it. Yeah, and that's a thing that I had there on the agenda. I wanted to skip over that Stenovich cut. But that's another thing that point that, to bring up, Bill, is the rash of ACLs this team has had, right? I mean, starting with David mm-hmm. Bakhtiari, and then you've got Robert Tunyon at tight end. He goes down with one in the middle of the season. And these ACLs, you know, it's not like Adrian Peterson when he'd come back in nine months. It takes a year. And, and a lot of these guys say it takes another year after that. Like Josiah Dogora, it took him two or three months last year to really start finding the groove that he had in his rookie season before he went down week five. So when you look at the tight end position, and you got Tunyon coming back from an ACL, maybe he'll be ready really in September, October. And you got 37, 38-year-old Mercedes Lewis, Josiah DeGora, he's an okay third-rounder. Then it's Tyler Davis and and Dominic Daphne. They're short at tight end. So, you know, it's, it's Gutekinds who brought up the fact the other day that when you talk about receiver, we might have a need at tight end as well. You know, the tight end position has always been one of the toughest ones because it's just of you have to know the whole offense, right? The, the run game, uh, the blocking schemes, and, the, and certainly the passing game as well. Um, I do think that when guys come, you know, where they come from and what they've been exposed to has, you know, um, a significant um, impact on how maybe they come into the league, you know, and how quickly they're, they get up to speed. Um, but, you know, I think around here, you guys know, I mean, you, you know our history here with, with receivers specifically um, in the second round and stuff. So I think that's always part of the equation. Um, I think it's, it's a really good, and Ted always used to say, it's you've got to have some pass catchers around here, and that, whether that's tight ends, running backs, receivers. You know, you've got to have guys who can catch, catch the ball. So I think um, certainly that's a big part of, of how we look to build our team. But I, I, think, I do think the guys that come from more pro-ready systems have it a little bit easier. But, um, again, like we talk about a lot, and I know you guys have heard me say this, um, our you know, philosophy on the draft is very much a long-term decision, not short-term. Let's do this. We'll step away, take a quick break. We're talking NFL Draft, talking Packers. Mike Clemens joining us on the hotline. We are broadcasting live in Minneapolis, Minnesota. This portion of the program brought to you by our friends at the Social House, renovating over there. Dan Della and the staff say, come on in. They're open during the renovation. The kitchen has been expanded. The kitchen's got a full menu going now. So they're back to a lot of that's back to normal. The patio's getting ready to open, and the facelift is almost all but complete. Stop into the Social House, H-A-U-S, over there on Lisbon Road, Imanomany Falls. Stay tuned. More of the Bill Michael Show coming up next. Covering Wisconsin sports like a blanket, this is the Bill Michael Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. 
I'm going to start by saying this, this isn't easy. What we do is not easy. And for anybody to think that you can just walk into a place and become great, like, it, it's a process. It's a process. And, like, you want to talk about Tay. There was a lot of people, a lot of people sitting in his room wanting to take cut, talking about Tay was going to be cut, <laughs> if y'all remember that. So just, just give it time. Those are the words of Randall Cobb talking about, hey, it's not easy, but it can be done, and guys can become great. Devontae Adams did not have the best of starts to his career, um, but the problem is you can't afford to nurse somebody along at this point. you got to have somebody that's going to become an impact player almost immediately to take over the wide receiver position along with Alan Lazard, Amari Rogers, Randall Cobb, to name a few. Joining us on the hotline, uh, our buddy Mike Clemens is back with us. So, Mike, I, I guess uh, one of the guy that one of the guys that's going to have a lot of pressure on him is going to be the wide receiver coach uh, Jason Vrabel, because he's got to whoever comes in and how many ever come in, he's got to get them up to speed almost immediately, and he may not have to be able to do it with Aaron Rodgers even in the house. Right, and Bill, the Packers coaches though will tell you, you know, guys like Jamar Chase last year for the rookie season he had. Those are few and far between. It was great that he was hook, could hook up with his college uh, quarterback as well with a year or two in the league. But uh, for the most part, you know, it doesn't matter who you are. It's going to take a while to bring these guys along. Now, Jason Vrabel, before coach of the Buffalo Bills, along with Nathaniel Hackett, that's one of the reasons he was able to come along the stream to Green Bay when Lafleur takes over in Green Bay. And he was there when they drafted, uh, brought in Sammy Watkins, Who's now, you know, your answer for Devontae, you know, at least for at least the next year or so. Uh, and, you know, they're about the same age. So Vrabel talked about that, that topic about, hey, even if we do take some receivers in the first round, it's going to take a while. The biggest thing is you got to, you know, feel good about the playbook, know the ins and outs, know the audible system, know why we're doing things. And that just takes some time. Um, obviously, you know, a couple of those wideouts in the top end of the class last year performed really well, right? It's accumulation of things. Um, I also think that when you go onto the field to be confident, and that's the hardest part, you know, of getting a guy to truly walk out there and look across from him and see Jair and truly believe in yourself, like, I can beat this guy one-on-one. Not only do I know my route, I know the details of it, but then i got to beat a guy who, who is a dominating force on the opposing side of the ball. And typically, every team has an elite corner. So you're going up against guys that, you know, you just got to have that confidence. And I think that, for some guys, takes a little bit more time than others. And you look back at Devontae, and, you know, I, I obviously I drafted Sammy in that class, and there's other guys, and Sammy was a great player. But I think Devontae was a two-star coming out who continued to develop and progress, right? He was maybe the sixth receiver drafted. It was a continued climb, right? And he got his confidence there. He learned the playbook. He learned how, what Aaron was looking for, maybe what the staffs were looking for. And so it's just a gradual growth um, in every day just trying a way to get 1% better. So, Mike, you know, we talked about Randall Cobb. We talked about, uh, you know, Alan Lazard. Where does Amari Rogers fall into all of this? Because he he kind of just got washed away last year with the return of Randall Cobb at that slot position. How good is he? Do we even know? Exactly. And he looked so sharp during those OTAs and mini camps last spring with Jordan Love and all the reps he was getting because a lot of those veteran receivers didn't show up to the voluntary sessions kind of a solidarity with Aaron Rodgers, right, and Devontae. Uh, but then you got into camp, and he started to fall behind a little bit. He got hurt a, a little bit earlier in the season, and then he was just, like, pretty much put on the shelf. And, you know, you used a high draft pick on him. And I think 
that, you know, okay, Devontae Adams is a huge loss. That moves on. Marquez Valdez-Scantling, they set a price limit to what they were going to give him, and the Chiefs paid crazy free agent money, so he's off the board. I was a little surprised that Equinemia St. Brown walked out the door only because they were using him in special teams. And, you know, he's, he's not a – he's a pretty smart kid, and I thought that he could have been like a backup to Lazard to that style. But that brings up another point. You know, this team might have the next Alan Lazard in that depth chart. Some of these, you know, Jawan Winfrey looked really good in camp. He could probably fill in the role of MVS almost as fast. And then they got three or four other guys that, trust me, we haven't heard of, we haven't seen, but they were brought in late in the season, you know, as part of their reserves. And maybe one of those guys will emerge like Lazard did. But then you got Amari Rogers, a draft pick, and so you ask Rabel, how's that kid coming along? Yeah, just like I talked about the confidence, I think that's the biggest thing um, for him is how can you go out there and um, just believe in yourself the way you did when you were at Clemson? Because just being like tough or maybe like, you know, being in there, that's all good and stuff. But you got to learn your physical skill set, learn how to get open, create separation. And like, like I said, there's, you know, we, we have a standard in our room of like what we're looking for on routes of just knowing those details inside and out. And um, he's got to play faster. He has to play, you know, with more confidence. And um, I think, you know, this offseason, um, you know, he told me the other day he's in great shape, best of his life. And we were talking for a while and he said he really feels like, you know, after last year, you know, he was kind of on the world tour of the circuits and this and that. And then, you know, he came off the ACL. He said just everything was like a whirlwind, and he really feels comfortable in his own skin. So I, I think he's going to take a big step. But, I mean, he's going to have to put in the work, and uh, I'm really excited about him. Well, let's hope that he takes that next step because they're going to need him uh, for sure as another weapon. Uh, the other we go back to uh, time and again is the offensive line. Defense we can get into eventually, but – you know, Mike, uh, I, I know that uh, the question becomes, you know, Billy Turner, not Billy Turner. Elton Jenkins is coming back. But, you, did, you know, Yash Nyman did a yeoman's work uh, over at the left tackle position. But how deep are they on an offensive line? But you've got these guys coming back from torn ACLs. You know, and that's the problem that I had with the 49ers tape. Besides the obvious, like the blocked punt and the score by the 49ers, Aaron Rodgers missing Lazard, throwing to Devontae at the end of the game. Those miscues, not getting more points on the board. The thing I didn't understand about that game was you had two weeks to lead up to the playoff game against the 49ers, and suddenly these guys have been out eight, nine weeks or the whole season, like like Billy Turner with the, with the knee injury for eight weeks, like Whitney Merciless with the torn bicep. They let him get back in the game. Or Jair Alexander, his first game with the, the bad shoulder or even Zadarius Smith, you're taking guys off the field that had just played the last seven or eight weeks and got you to the playoffs, like Yash Nyman at left tackle. So we asked Adam Stenovich, who was the offensive line coach who made that decision, he's now your offensive coordinator, and I talked to LaFleur about this at the end of season press, and I said, how many, how many practices did Billy Turner get coming back from that knee? Those whole two weeks? Uh, no, he came back Wednesday. So that guy was out for eight weeks with a knee. He only got three practices before the playoff game against Nick Bosa and those, that crowd from the 49ers. And Adam Stanovich was asked, why did you start Billy Turner left tackle against the 49ers instead of Yash Nyman? I think I, the, just going with the most experienced guys um, and kind of the, my perspective on the whole thing was going with the most experienced toughest, hard-nosed guys for that kind of a game. Um, 
just the kind of game it was going to be. I thought um, it was going to be a pretty good slugfest. And so that was my decision as an offensive line coach at the time. And I think everyone was on board with it. And, yeah, it, it is what it is. Didn't turn out great, obviously. Uh, and then there is the question mark about D- David Bakhtiari coming back this season. We all know that, uh, you know, we all read that article off of Cheesehead TV about getting the fluid drained and all that kind of stuff. You just hope that he's ready to go as well. Every week for 15 weeks and having to have a second surgery. So when you ask Stenovich, yeah, how's Bakhtiari looking? I wasn't not uh, blown away by the answer. Here's what he said. Um, he's working hard. Um, I, I have had several conversations with him and, you know, he's, he's just making sure that he's ready to go. Um, you know, working hard, rehabbing, doing all that stuff, working out and, uh, yeah, he's in a good place. Yeah. That doesn't bode a lot of confidence, does it? (laughs) No, I I mean, I, you know, you turn and look at the other guys like, uh Oh, man, that was not a solid. Oh, he's, he's great. Now he's back 100%. Now he's working at it. That's what they told us every week last year during the season. Right, right. Defensively speaking, I did want to get to that. So Devondre Campbell comes back. He resigns. I bring back Rasul Douglas, all that kind of good stuff. But Devondre Campbell was a big impact player. When we were talking with Paul Charchian earlier today, man, he was just raving about finding that diamond in the rough that Devondre Campbell playing free and playing in a system that he really enjoys, how much he excelled last year. And the point of that story also is this. I want fans to understand, Gutekinds is pretty good at this, man. I mean, we knew that he needed help at inside linebacker. He told me, actually, he'd been looking at Devondre Campbell the year before, but they were unable to lock him up. And then when they were eight, when there was an opportunity in free agency, like last May or June, they signed him. And this guy ends up being an all-pro for them. Or... You talk about in the middle of the season, Jair goes down. Now you need to pick up a corner, and Rasul Douglas just so there's a, there's a chance to take care of this offensive line, wide receiver problems with guys you can still pick up later on between now or sometime in training camp, and they can take off just like Rasul Douglas or Devondre Campbell. And Devondre was asked, "How come Matt Lafleur was like? I mean, he he had early praise for him last summer in training camp." Yeah, a lot of people don't know. I've known Matt since my rookie year. You know, like he was on uh, the the staff when I was in Atlanta, and I used to talk to him every day. So, you know, coming here was a a pretty easy decision. You know, the the process took a couple weeks. Like, we were talking for two or three weeks before I finally signed. But, you know, I was just trying to put myself in the best situation possible, you know, because... A lot of people don't know the type of player I am, and that's okay. It's a lot of us in the league, but, you know, just the whole general idea of, like, I've, I've like people consider me an average player. I've always felt like I've been a great player, but opportunity is everything. You know, like, I had one job responsibility here that allowed me to excel week in and week out rather than going into a game plan where you're playing three or four different positions and, I mean, I, I was able to do it well, but, you know, it, it eventually takes a toll on you. So I just wanted to put myself in the best position to showcase my talents on a weekly basis. Which, you know, again, uh, I think he had just 
a, a world of difference when it comes to playing the middle linebacking position and really seeing a true middle linebacker play extremely well, fill the hole, play back in coverage, all that kind of some stuff we just haven't seen consistently here in uh, in Green Bay. The other thing, Mike, I wanted to mention to you, and I, I know I texted you this, uh, Zedaria Smith says hi. I saw him yesterday over at uh, Mall of America. Well, she and he's loving that. I mean, he's in the Twin Cities, much bigger mall than he can find on Oneida down the street from the Bayport Mall. <laughs> well, in that's Green true. Bay, you know, but, you know, what's going on here, Bill, is this, is that Sammy Watkins worked with Jason Rabel, the wide receivers coach, once before. Devondre Campbell worked with your head coach once before in Atlanta. In other words, you find a lot of these connections, and we are used to the last 15 or 20 years in Green Bay. When they bring in these free agents, it's possible this these 25 coaches that LaFleur's got working for him now, these guys work with this player somewhere else. There's a connection there. Now, it comes to Zedarius, great player, but here's why the Packers didn't bring him back. He made this announcement when he signed with the Vikings. I, I kind of felt something when I was in the weight room, and uh, it was my lower back. So what I did was I went and did an MRI, and they was like, you know, it's a bulging disc. You know, a lot of people have it. You know, a lot of athletes have bulging discs. So what they said with my bulging disc was it, it was a little bit bigger than normal, you know. So what I did was went to L.A., got it done with my doctor, man, one of the best doctors uh, out there, um, completed the surgery. I don't know too many people coming back from back surgery, but I came back in four months, um, got a chance to practice for three weeks before that playoff game, and as you can see, I'm healthy as ever. They are probably going to pick up another edge rusher at some point in this draft, Mike. You would assume just to replace that roster spot that was vacated by by Zedaria Smith for the edge. Yeah, and, and of all the mock drafts, they've got edge guys going in the first two or three picks this year. They're, it's deep in that, so maybe there'll be one that drops up, or maybe even the Packers would trade up. And so Preston Smith, who got a new contract, was asked, what would you think if the Packers used a high draft pick on another outside linebacker? I don't know. You know, the draft is really unpredictable. They always have a mock draft, and it's, they always have a lot of wrong ones. So, I mean, I don't know. You know, the more weapons you have, you can never go wrong with it. You know, like I got, like, I own, like, legally, I legally own, like, 20-something guns. It's never nothing too bad having too many weapons. You never know when you're going to need them, you know? So it's always a good thing to have more weapons. The more weapons you got, you're always ready and equipped for whatever's to come. So, you know, that's how I, you never feel that, you know? You always have never too, never, nothing wrong with having too many weapons on the field and off the field. <laughs> Oh, well, there you go. Uh, okay. Uh, on that note, let's do this. We'll step away a little bit late. Let's take a break. Mike Clemens joining us. Final segment of the Bill Michael Show coming up next. Ready? This is the Bill Michael Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. It was, well, I mean, it was, especially when you start getting close, because you sit there for for two hours, and you, you don't even want to look at the names because you think you're going to jinx something, you know. But then as it started getting closer, then you look up there and you go, well, wouldn't that be nice, you know. But I can't talk about it. I'm not gonna, I, I never mentioned it to anybody else in the room. So you don't want to jinx yourself or, and all that. So it's silly. Very superstitious. <laughs> Some of Ted's pressers were great because you weren't sure what the hell he was talking about. 
as he would uh, as he would go on. This portion of the program brought to you by our friends at Boondocks Barbecue and Brew. All you got to do is stop out Highway K in Oconomowoc. Great people. Tom and his staff, top notch, and a great place to go and watch games. Sit there at huge bar area. Sit there, enjoy yourself some appetizers, some food, get a couple of good beverages, and check out a good game, whether it's the Bucks coming up tonight, Brewers, what have you. Good stuff. Boondocks Barbecue and Brew out there on County Road uh, K in uh, in Oconomowoc. So, Mike, uh, before we get out of here, uh, you know, going back to the Ted Thompson era, I was just mentioning this earlier. Ted didn't, I mean, you leaked anything out of Ted. Remember when it was supposed to be Reggie Bush that was coming here? It was a done deal? Mm-hmm. Everybody thought so? Ted Ted doesn't, he's poker-faced, man. Poker-faced and don't, and also, like this rumor, you know, that uh, uh, Aaron Nagler reported uh, that this is actually past tense and maybe the Packers made a run at Darren Waller, the Raiders tight end. Um, maybe that happened a few weeks ago, but I, you know, I, I caution: this is the week of misinformation, and that was perfectly timed and planted at the right person. <laughs> That's like, well, that mm-hmm. might be right, so we'll see if any of that comes true. But uh, the thing about Ted was inducted into the Packers Hall of Fame. That was his last public affairs. Passed away about a year and a half after that from this ongoing neurological disorder. But I got a chance to get on a conference call with Mark Murphy and Brian Gutekinds, and I said to those guys, you know, you guys said at that Hall of Fame banquet that on draft night, Ted had like had a poker face. And here's what Murphy said. Well, Brian can speak to that a lot better than I, but I I, I will stand with that. I would never want to play poker against Ted. He, he had the ability to, well, I think he played a lot of games with the uh, board itself. Didn't he, Brian? Yeah, he sure did. He, uh, I don't want to give too many secrets away because we certainly <laughs> continue to do some of those things, but he would bury guys on the draft board that um, he really, really liked, and he knew that when draft day came, that they would they would they would be two or three rounds higher than where they sat all spring long. And for those of us that had been around for a while, that was always our goal was to figure out which those which one of those players was were, were there. And I think that well, a great story for me, I know, was I think the first time that I really pegged it was was Jordy Nelson, and he kept. We kept watching tape, and we were, kept talking about how good this player was, and he never would move him, and he never would move him. <laughs> and uh, that's when all of a sudden they're just like, okay, I got it, and um, which, which made me really surprised when we traded back out of the first round because I knew how much he, he coveted Jordy, and, uh, but I think he, he knew that what he was doing, and he knew he could get the player that he wanted all along. But uh, he always had you know, two or three guys every year that he, he kept buried um, that uh, I think was just for him. He, in my opinion, is the best talent evaluator, especially when it comes to the draft that I've, I've ever seen or been around. He just had a very unique way of seeing what a player was going to become and the greatness he could become. And I, you know, there's a, there's a thousand players that, but like Nick Collins comes to mind. I mean, I, I scouted Nick Collins at Bethune Cookman, and, and that's a very small school. And, and Ted identifying the greatness that was in a guy like Nick Collins. That's not at an Alabama or a power school. I think he just, he had a rare ability to do that. And uh, not many people that come through our league have that. So Mike, tomorrow night, we're hoping that Gutekinst uh, can have that. And we're hoping that Gutekinst uh, kind of picks up where Ted left off, but uh, they need a wide receiver. So you're going to be uh, in Green Bay covering anything and everything that is the Green Bay Packers tomorrow night, correct? All weekend long. Headed up there this afternoon. I'll be there all through uh, Sunday. And hopefully they maybe they could take a trail on Burks out of Arkansas or get that Sky Moore kid out of Western Michigan that's got four mm-hmm. one speed that James Jones has been beating on the table for and, and in fact get some help in that wide receiver room in the draft. 
Mike, great stuff. We'll talk to you tomorrow night, okay? Thank you, Bill. We'll talk to you then. See you, buddy. There you go. That's it. Tomorrow night, uh, 7 o'clock Central Time on many of these same stations, you are going to get us uh, with the uh, the NFL Draft. First pick coverage all the way through the end of the first round of the NFL Draft. Mike's going to be in Green Bay. I am going to be back in the home studios. We've got Ben Kenny out in our studios in Madison. And hopefully you are here enjoying the program as well. Again, tomorrow night, don't forget, and if you're not getting us on one of your local stations, Download the Zone app out of Madison, the Zone Madison, and you get the app there. Thanks to everybody at the Hewing Hotel here in Minneapolis, St. Paul. It has been a, a, a terrific experience. These people are great. Beautiful, stunning hotel. Very modern yet rustic, eclectic, and uh, I couldn't recommend it more if I had to. So until we talk again, uh, which will be tomorrow night, 7 o'clock, Ben Kenny in for me tomorrow. Tomorrow night, 7 o'clock. Don't forget our draft coverage begins. Until then, have a going. See The Bill Michaels Show Podcast. Listen, rate, subscribe.